morning. Good morning. Yes, good morning, one and all. All you fine folks that are here, Mama Bell is here. We gotta we gotta give everybody time to find their phone. You know. I don't know how people leap for a call. <laughs> that has always frustrated me. How did they do what? Leave what? How did they leap for a phone call? Oh, oh. <laughs> I can see being stuck in traffic, you know, for to get to the physical, but they late for a phone call. <laughs> God bless your heart. It's so good to be with you. Mama Bell is here. That's what's important. She's not late for a phone call. No. She's never been late for nothing else either. Well, you know, she's on time for anything she got to do. That's right. She always has been. Uh Uh-huh. Even if she's late by us, she said, when I get here, that's the time I'm supposed to get here. Oh, boy. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. In my defense, that one was on time. She was. She got here at 630. The rest of them still late to a phone call. Yes. Well, Mama Bell is here, and we will listen to her. She's going to serenade us on the piano party. Praise the Lord. Thank you. 
find ourselves now at the season they call autumn or fall. Prisoner. You know as your old mama would say, prisoner. The leaves is going to intrude itself upon your lawns, all you folks with the pretty lawns. You know who I'm talking about. All y'all folks don't want nothing on your grass. Don't touch my lawn. When I look out the window, all I want to see is concrete and grass. You know y'all sophisticated folks. But eventually the leaves is going to defy you. And insert itself, inject itself upon your lawns. You might have to go out there and do some work. Mama Bell's going to supervise. She's going to be out there to make sure that she hands out the, the equipment. But the moral of the story is as we head into this season of fall. It's a great opportunity for us to understand uh, about that great fall, that fall that happened at the beginning of our existence, the fall which led to a wonderful birth. a birth that also led to another fall. And all of those falls are symbolized and connected to one simple reality, a four-letter word called love. That's a very interesting word. Most folks don't like it. It's very convoluted and oversaturated, but in its initial sense, it has such wonderful meaning, and in the center of our whole existence, especially our whole faith, it's actually one of Mama Bell's favorite hymns. She likes to play it around here, almost as a reminder, I would say. So I think I'll shut up and let her play. Mm. Don't you remember that?
The 1st of October actually uh, kicks off on Sunday. Uh, that's very interesting timing to me. It's also a great time to uh, uh, do some uh, remembering. Most of us have not remembered in a while. And still go into your juice box and find the good stuff. Uh, don't get the stale crackers. Get the good crackers. And uh, we'll gather around our proverbial settings. Uh, we'll have uh, our time together next Sunday, maybe around the kitchen table. Light your little candles and... We'll celebrate the Good Supper next Sunday. So come prepared for that. Also, I would like to submit to you uh, that next month, October, is uh, uh, one of the months that are set aside to bring awareness to such issues like breast cancer and various ailments, so I would ask or consider that you would, uh, uh, now that it will be cool or or somewhat bearable outside, that you get out there and go for a little walk. You do about 20 minutes a day or something active outside. Uh, You don't want to do that. Walk around the grocery store for 20 minutes. Uh, get yourself some cheese and some some. May go get them crackers and things because you might use all of them up next week. So you need to replenish them. And, but get yourself out there and and get active. Uh, make sure you're taking care of your health. Something to consider next month. We'll talk about some things of how we can work together on that and. and in the coming days, but I would just like for you to put that in your brain. Mama Bell, she's going to lead a fitness class. She's going to do that right there in the house, and and she's going to teach you how to run up and down the stairs. And uh, she becomes a master of that now, so she she can she can definitely help you with that. Okay. She said, "Boy, I'm tired of you doing all this lying on Sunday morning." <laughs> I hope you're asking for forgiveness. She said, you just sit here and just lie every Sunday morning. First you said I was in Cinderella slippers. Then you said the Brinks truck was in the driveway. Now you say I'm a leader fitness class. Boy, how how crazy can this lie get? 
happened, Jesus. Help me. I prefer to call it a man with a wild imagination. And so, uh, this morning, as you're sitting, wherever you find yourself, Uh, the sun may be appearing, or definitely the uh, the sky is turning from a, a gray to a blue. It's a great opportunity to pause and appreciate. To pause and give gratitude. Sometimes one of the hardest things to do is to just pause and say thank you. There's a lot of things going on in the world, a lot of issues and a lot of circumstances. And just a simple moment of gratitude is almost eradicated from the the ideas and ideals of the society. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. It's also a great time to reflect and Mama Bell loved to play that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But the but the significance to that song it's not about recognizing a friend. It's about understanding the importance of that friendship. There's a caveat to that piece of business. It says, all our griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry. Everything. Everything. To the Lord in prayer. The pastor is here to uh, join us in a moment of intercession. He's leading this this charge, and his task and his responsibility is to just uh, put one or two details out there that corporately we can agree on. We all agree on praying for the government and praying for the citizenry and praying for various issues that are happening around the world, both foreign and domestic. That part we can corporately talk about. But what happens after that is a personal choice. That's where that wonderful moment of fall the occupant of that particular tree becomes significant because at that moment in time, it eliminated the preacher. You don't have to slip the pastor a note and ask him to pray for something. You can pray for yourself. We'll take that time as well, connected in. Our dear pastors, I said, will come and pray what's on his mind and then We'll have a few moments uh, afterwards to uh, 
pray what's on our mind. And I'm sure he would also have his remarks as well. Good morning, dear pastor. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. It's all nice to see you ball here to say I showed up this morning. He must got lost in the parking lot. Well, we're here in Jesus' name. We might be had to go around with two parking spaces to find a park, but we finally got here. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have to make sure parking spaces out there with your name on it so you ain't got to drive around all these thousand spaces, you know, to get a parking space. Amen. <laughs> got to bed a little late. You know, this 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 is uh, church anniversary time. is. It was just a year ago that you was there with us. Uh, getting get, getting your um, the, the the finishing touches to your dress, and so we so we preparing for that. So pray for us as we endeavor to do God's will. Let us pray. Most gracious God, our Father, we honor you, we praise you, we give you glory and honor for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we are rejoicing. And we are glad, and we have entered into your gates with thanksgiving. We have entered to your courts with praise. This is the day that you have made, and we are rejoicing, and we are glad in it. Father, as we are in your courts and as we are praising your name, Father, we take this time that you have given us to set aside to glorify you and magnify your name. And Paul says, said, thank you. Thank you for all the things that you've done, all the things that you're doing right now, and all the things that you have in store for our future. Your word says it like this. Eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what you have in store for us. We thank you, Lord God, for the storehouse the storehouse of blessings, the storehouse of anointings, and the storehouse of directions that you have for us in our lifetime. Thank you, Lord God, that as we are here in this year, Lord God, another year older, Lord God, another day older, another hour older, we thank you because you have not counted us out, but you have counted us in. Thank you, Lord God, because there yet still a work for us to do. Yes, sometimes tired, sometimes hurting, sometimes weary, sometimes just don't know what to do. But we thank you that all things, according to Romans 8.28, work out for our good according to your purposes. Father, we might not understand, and we don't understand everything, but we thank God that our hand is in your hand. And we thank you, Lord God, that we do have a friend in you. We thank you, Lord God, that you said that we are never friendless because we have you as a friend. And matter of fact, the scripture said that you have called us friends. And we thank you, Lord God. And we bottle that friendship up and we cherish that friendship, Lord. And we take it, Lord God, to the streets. We take it to our neighbors. We take it to our friends. And we share that which you have supplied unto us. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for giving us brotherly love, brotherly love, love for one another, Lord God. Thank you for loving us 
so much that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for that. We thank you for the life that we have, and we thank you for the life that we are living. We thank you, Lord God, for the abundance of life that is always showering us right now, that is strengthening our bodies, strengthening our minds, strengthening our uh, uh, faculties of, the, of our limbs, and giving us the ability to see, hear, smell, taste, and thus, yes, it's in you. We live, we move, and we have our being. Thank you, Lord God, for your anointing, Lord God, and your presence that you promised that it would never leave us. And you said you would be with us until the end of the age. Whatever has come our way, God, you have given us the strength to make it through it, Lord God. And God, we are through your people now saying, Lord God, give us strength. Give us strength in our homes. Give us strength in our bodies. Give us strength in our communities. Give us strength to give us the willpower and do what you have called us to do, Lord God. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. And Lord God, as we look to you, Lord God, we look to you for answers. We look to you, Lord God, for for our way out. We look to you, Lord God, for giving Giving us the remedies that we need, Lord God, to continue to go the pace that we are going. Lord God, government is like it is, but we know that you are greater than the government. And we thank you, Lord God. And we praise you, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God, that you would just the situation all across this world, Lord, flood waters and 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 people are getting uh, whole towns are being swept out of that fire, Lord God. Uh, people are desperately crossing and and illegally and legally crossing over the borders, trying to find a new life, Lord God. All sorts of things are going on. Inflation is high, Lord God. Food prices are high. Gas prices are high. But at the end of the day. We know that you got our back. Oh, God, and we thank you for it, and we praise you for it, and we give your name the glory and the praise because it belongs to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. At this time, maybe as I pray that I may not touch what you needed or had on your heart, and at this time, in our time of meditation and prayer, you could do that. You could go before the Lord. Let's take a few moments and go to the Lord now. Remember me. Remember 
We Chapter 3, and we'll find ourselves at verse 20. And she reads, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond. All that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works with us, with us, in us. This morning, if I can have a, some of your time, I was about to lie to you and say brief. If I can have some of your time, I want to tell you a little secret. This morning, I want to tell you a little secret. And all those who believe in the God of the Bible respond with a howdy. Amen. 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 When she said amen for the whole church. (laughs) I have been struggling with some realities. Many of us uh, find ourselves in our uh, senior years or definitely in our rising. One of the main struggles of any culture, particularly this one, is a reality of past events. It is easy to spend time processing and reminiscing, to spend time dealing in the realities and the complexities of the past. 
It's easy to sit around and every time you see something, every time you hear something, every time you feel, taste, or touch something, it it reminds you of a moment in time that most likely was negative. Many of us have spent years at the church. You hear of our pastor talking about the fact that he is uh, gearing up to celebrate church anniversary down in Carolina. Uh, Some 40, 50 years, I believe, is not that much. Somewhere between 35 and 40, they've been down there. And the fun thing about that is uh, it's excitement of uh, realizing that celebrated. We're glad to be in the service one more time, but it also triggers moments of negativity. You can remember the first time Sister Sally took your chair. You can remember the first time Sister Johnson looked at your husband weird. You might can also remember the time that Sister Sue's hand took your hook. Off the same pew that you bought and purchased. And at the building of the church and the laying of the foundation, you wrote under that pew forever and always, you and your husband. And now, on top of forever and always, you and your husband sits another man and another woman. I say another man, another woman, because that ain't the man that you wrote forever and always on the bottom of that pew. That's some other Negro sitting next to that little thing that you want to label another identity, but you won't do it because you're sanctified and holy. There's a remembrance problem. There is a grief problem. But there's also a blame problem. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to feel my anger. Somebody has got to understand my frustration. Somebody has got to know how mad I is. And so I come to this church every Sunday because I'm going to sit right here on this pew. I'm not. I'm going to come right here and sit next to the woman that stole my husband. Uh Because somebody's got to know that I'm angry. Then that brings us to another part of this convoluted story. I have, and, and I'm sure you have as well, and definitely you hanging around or hung around, should I say. Let me properly enunciate that sentence. You hung around here a lot, 
sometimes we do a lot of church bashing. It's easy to poke and pry to, as they say, Monday morning quarterback. What you do when you're Monday morning quarterback is you sit and you try to find every little detail, every little thing that's wrong. Well, the pastor preached this, but but what he should have did, he used that text right. He stayed in church too long. What the devil, he wear that robe with them socks. Monday morning quarterback. Since Bernadette sung that song, but Lord have mercy, she was about seven octanes off cue. You know she couldn't sing. Monday morning quarterback. And then it's the program, the projects in the Why is this the way this is? What's happening here? Maybe this shouldn't be. Maybe that shouldn't be. I don't think that's right. All, all these different ideas that pop up in what we call the Monday morning quarterback. And some of that fuels that frustration. And fuels that anger, and fuels that emotion, and and that need to have our filter. But what if just we're just talking here? What if? There is a simple solution or a simple answer to this reality. Oh, yes, this Bernadette was nasty as the devil and she was a drunk. She smelled like corn whiskey and her teeth was about to fall out of her head at one moment. But I'm wondering. I'm wondering. What if Sister Bernadette just was doing the best she could? What if Sister Bernadette was only doing all she knew? Is it possible that Sister Bernadette was only operating off of half the information? Around our community, it's it's a reality that many, I believe, take for granted that we're all descendants. We're all the descendants of sharecroppers and cotton pickers 
barely made it through a a remedial form of education. We might have gotten through the third grade. Schooling was secondary because the crops had to be primary. That's how we ate. Somebody had to go out and gather the food, collect the spoils. Somebody had to be here to wash the spoils. It's a very complex situation. And what if? What if because of that lack of information, that lack of access to same, it triggered these realities? What if the simple answer is, I didn't know. I find people now that sedate and sedated, pompous and pious, high included in the community of in, of intellectual and higher thought. And they seem to sit around and bash Sister Johnson. Sister Johnson didn't have no teeth in her head. I know she didn't. She had bad breath. She so did. But nobody takes into consideration that Sister Johnson came from an era where the same services for her dog was applied upon her. She did not have access to dentistry. She could not go every six months and get her teeth cleaned. She went down to the vet and they cleaned her teeth like they cleaned the dogs. And so to keep herself from being subjected to that type of humiliation, she refrained from just going to the doctor at all. And then when they realized that the vet was no longer an alternative, it was no longer an option, they removed the vet and replaced it with high medical costs. That cost you four $500 just for the doctor to wave at you. And so, again, the people don't go to the vet or to the doctor. And it becomes very easy for the folks of highfalutinness, sophistication, sedate, sedate, pompous, and pious to sit down and say, well, you know, it just don't make no sense. People are just lazy. People just don't want to do nothing. People just don't want to be nobody. Without understanding that there are certain limitations in certain situations that are causing, that are triggering these moments of effort. 
but because many of us are members, card-carrying members, legacy members, if you please, of the community of sedate and sedated, pompous and pious. It's great to pick. I had a conversation time, and uh, I sat down with one of the the leaders, or the, I don't like to call them leaders, the representatives. And we had a little chat, and I uh, I had to have a moment of a reprisal, if you please. I had to sit back and think about one or two things. And one of those things I had to sit back and think about was if I had missed the actual mission statement of this particular representative. There was an event that happened some time ago, and to the community of sedate and sedate, pompous and pious, it seemed like a train wreck. But sitting in this room having a conversation with this particular individual, the problem became clear. The reality of what this particular individual set out to do started to make sense. And I began to go around and express. Someone told me, they said, oh, uh, you're going to do this event. And I said, well, you know, we have to do something and bury that third. And they brought up, well, you know, you don't want yours to be a train wreck like that other one, but you're better than that. And I said, that's the problem. The problem is that we have considered it to be a train wreck, when in reality, what the problem was is he was not speaking to us. The drug dealers, the pimps, the corner pushers, the crackheads, the people who do not have a card-carrying membership to the community of today and today and pompous and pious, they talk in a different language than we do. And so when we sit down and try to understand or try to be in their presence, it sounds ignorant. It's like sitting in a room with a man that's Chinese. You can sit there with them, but after five minutes, your head's going to start to hurt because you understand nothing that Chinese money is saying. And I've come to understand 
that there is a community out there of people who the system has ignored and, dare I even say, have forgotten for generations, millennia, if that may be a great reality. And this particular individual decided that he was going to pull back the curtain and expose the naked truth that this community not only is here, but they deserve to not only be heard, but to be spoken to. In order for us to do it, we have to talk a language that the political elite that societal establishment does not know and has not heard. Then it brings me to another train of thought. It brings me to a train of thought of how we got here in the first place. I know what my text says. Let me get to it. How did we get to this place in time where there's one side on the other, the side of importance, the side of significance, the side of chosenry, if you please, the side that gets all the attention, all the access. How did we get to a place where there is a forgotten community or is the truth of the matter is that always existed and most of us just didn't realize it because history is not really our friend? You've heard the old adage, those who do not know history is doomed to repeat it. And so because we don't pay attention to the basic principles of history, because many of us do not understand the dawn of civilization and, and do not have access to the differences and the, the communities and the, the different peoples known as the Paleolithic and the Neolithic, because we have not understood that there was once a time we was all picking cotton. Because the only way to survive was to pick cotton. But then there arose in the Neolithic period, in the dawn of the first civilization, there arose this idea of sedate and sedate, pompous and pious. The, the, bureaucrat, the bureaucrats of our society grew up where, where it became this idea that some of us, are better than others. When the truth of the matter is, you needed that cotton picker. You needed that woman to go out there with her no teeth in her head having sex. And breath smelling bad. You needed her to go out there and pick them rutabagas and, and pull them tomatoes and come in there and cook your vittles. You needed that because you ain't know how to cook. If Mama Jackson ain't come there and clean your house, you have roaches crawling all over the place. 
And Mama Jackson ain't coming in and wash your drawers. You come in there, people get next to you and smell like a Goanna factory. I still don't know who Goanna is and where his factory is, but they tell me it's bad. <laughs> But the best way to maintain the community of sedate and sedate, pompous and pious is to belittle the people who actually was holding up the community of sedate and sedate, pompous and pious. And so now we find ourselves in this moment of thought. And then there is those who are out there in the least of these communities, but they decided to take it personal. I saw it on a campaign some time ago, and and it was very controversial, but that campaign or that campaign, I don't know what I said, campaign, maybe both of them work, depending on who you talk to. I started preaching the reality that racism wasn't really real. Oh, you thought that I had said the devil was good and Trump should be a three-term president. My reality was not that the struggle wasn't real. My reality was not that the pain and the suffering that had been imposed upon a group of people did not exist. My reality was not that the emotions and the fears and the frustrations that each and every one of us at some point in our lives has endured should be dismissed. That was not my mission. What I was trying to say is nobody hated you just because you was black. They hated you because you was rich. And the only way to keep you from understanding the power of your riches was to gaslight you into believing you were nothing. The only way to keep you working for nothing is to make you feel like you was worth nothing. Because the moment that you understood that you had abilities, the moment that you understood that you had power, the moment that you understood that you were the strongest of the whole community, the moment that you understood that you was actually the pillar that was holding this whole city up, the moment you learned that. It takes us back to Exodus chapter 2 when the Pharaoh told him, let's go down and deal with them because we can't let them know that they're better than us. We can't have them finding out that they could overpower us. We can't have them finding out what they really can do. So what we got to do is we got to hear their ideas and then call them stupid so they won't go try them. 
and then go around the corner and take everything they just said and put it into action and make it work. And even if we can't do that, we'll just close the bank, though. Because you can have a beautiful dream, but if the bank won't approve of it, then your dream means nothing. So we'll just control the bank. Make sure you can't get no loans. Make sure nobody will invest in you. Always to entrap you and keep you enslaved. The reality of the reason why I say that racism wasn't real is because if it was real, then how come most of our cities have more Negroes in power and yet the Negroes are still in trouble? So it can't be that they hate the black man because now the black man running the place. And yet we still got problems. No, it's not the hatred of color. No way in the Bible can you find anything to suggest as a matter of fact, when you go through the Bible, you will really have a struggle trying to identify the people by color. You can identify them by nationality. You can identify them by family origin. You can identify them by gender. You can almost even identify them in some cases by sexual orientation. But what you can't do is identify by color. So it's not the hatred of color that is the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Back to Exodus when he said, let's go down and deal with them shrewdly. It wasn't because he cared about the Israelites. It wasn't because he wanted to oppress a group of people. It's because he saw the economics in it. He saw how bad of an economic decision it would be if those group of people rose up. He saw the power of the black dollar. And the only way to make sure that his economic situation did not change, but yet flourish, is to oppress the black dollar. So let's go down and deal with them. Let's turn them against each other. Let's make them feel like they ain't worth nothing. Let's keep them in a gutter. Let's put them on drugs and then go around the corner and tell the cops where we left it. That's how you destroy a nation. That's how you destroy people. And so all of those things have kept us bound and kept us oppressed 
All of those realities come up every time we sit down to the table and realize that Chad's missing because Johnny's not here anymore. All of those situations come up when we realize our family struggles, and every time somebody says a little bit something, we remind ourselves that mama did this and daddy did that. All of those things pop up in our brains, and it's hard to get rid of it because there's one thing missing. We couldn't understand that the reason why all of those things happened was because there was a reality missing. There was a truth missing. That the people of yesterday did not have all the information. They had not seen the book. Some of them couldn't read it. But you can read now. You can understand now. You can interpret now. The Bible is clear to you now. And speaking of now, it makes sense. And despite all that has happened, despite all we've been through, despite all we've had to endure now, is the great moment of revelation. That was then. The struggle was then. The misunderstanding was then. The persecution was then. The lack of understanding and access was then. But now unto him. Now unto a community, now unto a city, now unto a church, now unto a family. Now, at this moment in time, we recognize that we have an opportunity now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly. Oh, they can't take it from us now because we've been educated. They can't take it from us now because we've been revelated. They can't take it from us now because I can see now. I can read now. And now that I can read, I understand. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that they tried to hide that was already there. That works. It is say that is now working. It said that works within us. It was there all the time. It was there all the time. From the beginning of the earth, it was there. Until this morning, as my dear granny comes to pray for us, may that be our focus. 
First, we are thankful that that secret is out now, that the power that we possess is out now. And may we have the reality in the mind to do exceedingly and abundantly, to operate off of that power. May that be our prayer. My dear grandmother. Most glorious Father, we come this morning saying thank you. We thank you, dear God, for all things, for everything you have taught us. Help us, dear God, not to be henceforth being tossed to and fro, caring about every winning doctrine. But help us, oh God, to put our trust in you. Help us to realize, God, that you have blessed us. You are blessing us, and you will bless us. Help us to trust you. Help us not sit in judgment of one another, but help us to love one another. You say love one another as you love us, and God, you love us so much, and help us to love. Without that love, God, you say we are nothing, and teach us to love one another. In spite of one another's shortcomings, God, help us to love. Help us, though, God. We need your help this morning. We need your wisdom this morning, God. We need your understanding, your knowledge, God. We need it. We can't do it of our own. Because, God, we err and make mistakes all the time. But forgive us, dear God, and help us to walk in the light of your word. We thank you for the word that you have sent us this morning. Let that word take root in us, God, and help us to see ourselves. And help us, oh God, to be doers of your word. We just thank you this morning. We praise you this morning. And we love you this morning. And we give your name, all the honor, all the praises, and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.